Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and bitch who is back, Kavitari. <laughs> and uh, I like am—I <laughs> really did like that. Uh, <laughs> and I am uh, just arriving tonight on a plane uh, with the red tail lights, heading for Spain. Uh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, welcome to Musical Spading, if it wasn't obvious by the beautiful intro that now I can finally say, like, you are the bitch, and you are back, and you can't take it as an I insult. am the bitch. Uh, we're yes. doing Rocket Not Man. Stone Cold Sober, unfortunately. No, but, you know. working on that part. But you yeah. know what? Uh, yeah. I'm still standing. Just gonna, so, I'm so, still so don't standing. go breaking my heart. Uh, this is just what the, this whole episode is going to be. It's just working yes. in titles. Take a shot every time we put in like an Elton John pun somehow into the episode. Yes, just just preemptively do that. Go and pour yourself a big thing of whatever yes. your choice, whatever your choice of embodiment is, and. Um, to play along at home, the home version of musical explaining. Uh, but yes, we are doing the 2019 film Rocket Man today, and I'm really excited yes. about this because uh, I'm I, excited too. I, uh, I I really I've only seen this movie once. Uh, I saw it on mm-hmm. a plane, which I feel like is the worst way to see any movie, unless it's something mm-hmm. like um like a DreamWorks like animated film that like you were never going to pay money <laughs> for. Uh, seeing things on a plane is never good, so I'm excited to revisit this because what I remember of it, I really, really, really liked, and uh, I am also a big Elton John fan. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yes, kind of like I'm also a big Elton John fan. I, I saw it in the theater as well. Actually, I saw it in the theater, but I did not know that it was a musical. I thought it was going to be a straightforward biopic. Oh, really? When it came out, yeah. yeah wow. So I remember when we went to see it, I was a little bit confused, and I was like, oh, I guess this is happening now, especially because it's Taron Edgerton, when I was like, well, he's singing now? He's what? <laughs> Which, you know, obviously I assumed he'd be singing because it's a movie about Elton John, but right. like, the sort of the musicalness and the set pieciness of it was sort of like, whoa? Yeah. But I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it from when oh. I saw it. I only saw it that one time as well. I remember thinking it was the 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 set pieces were pretty creative and you know, naturally extravagant considering the subject matter. So I didn't go through it with like a fine tooth and comb to try and analyze it and try and understand it any better. But I do remember thinking it was pretty fun um, in a way that I wasn't expecting it to be. I remember being pleasantly surprised by it. And uh, like, well, I guess we'll get, get, get into this with the notes with like kind of like the production team behind it. I think there was like knowing, knowing about that, there was a lot of room for error and that it turned out as good as it did uh, is kind of like, oh, okay good for them but yeah i was also under the impression that it was going to be more of a straightforward biopic like rock and roll biopic and was like wait no this is straight up like a stylized musical <laughs> like it is yeah it is really really like i was very like pleasantly surprised by that because there aren't a lot of people that make musicals and commit to them being musicals and they actually end up being good you know and again we'll get into mm-hmm. this in the notes mm-hmm. but the, uh, some of the other names attached to this again could have led to some uh, for disaster, but yeah, uh, very much enjoyed it. Very I, I excited have to revisit a it. Very important question for you, which was: Do you remember what the flight was that you were on when you watched it? Where were you flying to? What or from? flight was I on? I think I was flying to California. I'm pretty sure. I was All flying right. to California. Yeah, I think I think it was on a flight to LA, and was just like, oh hey, like that was a great way to spend like the last third of my flight watching Rocket Man. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Yeah. Are you, I'm, I'm assuming you're an Elton John fan. Oh yeah, I have a soul. Yes, of course. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say. No, no Who am like I a monster. I don't know. <laughs> just like I put the feelers out there because uh, you you never know what someone just like like again. I have pissed people off on Twitter by just saying how much I am not very much interested in the Who. So you never know, <laughs> like with people where uh, how how dare you compare the Who to Elton John? <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's, the, it's not even in like Thank the same. You. No, the same thing, Thank even, you. even though they did have a crossover. But no, Elton John is, dare I say it, one of the greatest songwriters of that generation. Yeah. Constructed some, obviously, her, him and uh, Bernie Taupin, right, uh, writing lyrics with him as well. Yeah. Have you ever seen him live? I've not seen him live. He did play Staples Center, I think, a, like a year or something ago, and I wasn't able to get tickets. There's a couple of these guys that are from that generation that are just monster, you know, amazing, incredible, you know, icons and like getting tickets like Paul McCartney played here last year. And it was like. $30,000 and like a down payment and your firstborn child to be able to sit in like fucking nosebleed seats. So yeah, he just did like his, fa- it was his farewell, like his second farewell yeah, his, like, tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like he came to Philadelphia and I really wanted to see him. But again, it was also like Taylor Swift expensive, which I'm like, good for him. Uh, I love, love Elton John. So I'm um, like the fact that he can still command an audience like that is like really impressive and very cool to me. Um, but I did get to see him about 12 years ago. He was coming through Philadelphia and I had a friend. Oh, no shit. Who, yeah. Yeah. And I had a friend who had like cheap tickets, like, he was at the Wells Fargo Center, which is the big, you know, play like arena for concerts and stuff in Philadelphia. And my mm-hmm. friend had like cheapy tickets and she was like, 
we hadn't talked in like years and she reached out to me. She's like, Hey, I know you work right by the stadium. Do you want my Elton John tickets? Yeah. They're like 30 bucks. Fuck and so yeah. like, I was like, fuck yes, what? I did. And it was like one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It was one of the longest concerts I've ever been to. We played for like three and a half hours, but like, it was also yeah. straight up one of the best shows I've ever seen. And like, I've always really loved Elton John and we're, you know, the parents of boomers who grew up with Elton John. So like, it's a, he's a huge part of your life, but like, that was where I really got into Elton John. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. $30 tickets. That's incredible. I know that's insane, right? Like those seats now probably would have been at least $500 for his farewell tour. But yeah, so like that was, that was what really got me as an adult into like Elton John. I'm like, this man is everything. He is the whole fucking package. So, um, I guess, uh, let's get into the notes with that said. (laughs) Rocket man. Rocket man is a 2019 (laughs) musical biographical film about the early life and career of Reginald Dwight, a.k.a. Sir Elton John, featuring the music of Elton John and his writing partner, Bernie Taupin. Is Taupin? 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 Taupin. I always thought it was Taupin. Um, Taupin? <laughs> but if, That's what like, I assumed it was. Yeah, I'm going to uh, have a lot of egg on my face if I got this wrong, but, uh, you know, it is egg what it is. Egg on my face. Fuck it, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, right, fix it in post. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Right. Bernie Taupin. The film is directed by Dexter Fletcher with a screenplay by Lee Hall, and it stars Taron Edgerton as Elton John, along with Jamie Bell, Richard Madden, and Bryce Dallas Howard. I forgot that she was no, in it. No, me too. When I was writing these notes, I was like, wait, Bryce Dallas Howard was in this? I saw this movie, and I'm like, oh, yes, she is. She's she's his mother. Oh, Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. I know. Surprises. Right. Um, told through a fantastical lease, Rocket Man to- <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it me... says lease. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no, no it's all right. For, yeah. to, <laughs> a fantastic lease. Was it a one year or a three year lease? It was lease? a three year lease with room to sublet. And the <laughs> landlord is very, very, very generous with that. So, <laughs> wah, wah. I'm literally like Ron Burgundy. I will read whatever you put in front of me. Or I'm like, <laughs> like, go fuck yourself, uh, anyway, musical to, fans. Yeah, right. Go fuck yourself, musical fans. <laughs> Told through a fantastical lens, Rocketman tells the story of Reginald Dwight, a young boy growing up in 1950s England in a household with two musically inclined but emotionally distant parents. After Dwight is accepted to the Royal Academy of Music, his father abruptly abandons the family. Later, his mother's new boyfriend introduces the young boy to rock and or roll. And or roll music? Uh, setting... <laughs> I always think of, uh, wait a minute, this sounds sounds like like rock rock and and or roll, Reverend Lovejoy. Yes. Uh, Setting Dwight on a path that has him emerging on the stage uh, named Elton John. Along the way, he is introduced to his writing partner, Bernie Toppin, his former manager and ex-lover, John Reed, and the usual string of rock and roll biopic tropes, sex, drugs, fame, and downfall. And of course, we're not talking about the... Uh, Adolf Hitler movie that was memed so many times. We're talking about his literal. <laughs> no, downfall. no, we're not talking about the downfall. The uh, 2000s downfall movie film. about the last days of <laughs> Adolf Hitler that was turned into a meme that changed the internet entirely. No, we're not talking yes, about that movie. Not that. That movie has nothing to do no. with uh, Elton John's life or it is, biopics. It is zero uh, to do with it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Okay. Ex- yes. Except in the sense that they're both movies. But um. yes, yes. Um, will Elton John overcome his demons? How long does it take to take a rocket or sorry, how long does it take a rocket man to burn his fuse up there alone? Why does your song always make me cry like I'm a 70 year old widow? I mean, honestly, there's just some scientifically like chord (laughs) progression thing that just makes you ball all the time. It's true. When I saw him live, that was his like a closer was your song. And I was just like, oh, that is the most emotionally manipulative thing. But the best thing you can do. It really is. You got to admit game recognizes game. Even if you even if it's sappy, you're like, I can't. Yeah. Um, All this and more in Rocket Man. Originally conceived for the big screen in the early 2000s, Rocket Man did not get off the ground. Hello, well, I like that. (laughs) Right. Uh, Until 2013. (laughs) It's like a SpaceX thing. It didn't get off the ground and just exploded Uh, until 2013. (laughs) I had a lot of coffee this morning. Uh, When Focus Films acquired the rights to the film. Originally, Tom Hardy was set to star as Elton John. That would have been funny. Right. Uh, And Michael Gracie to direct. I don't know what he's directed, but creative differences. So he went on to direct The Greatest Showman. Uh, (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of like what I was talking about here. I was like, interesting, interesting. There's a lot. We'll we'll finish this out. Uh, But yeah. (laughs) Okay. But creative differences, focus features in Elton John, delayed initial production and caused both Hardy and Gracie to leave, though Gracie would come back on as a producer. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. 
after sitting in limbo for four years, Paramount picked up the project and signed Taron Edgerton to star and Dexter Fletcher to direct. Rocketman's world debut, or debut, was at the Cannes Film Festival on May 16th, 2019. <laughs> I'll never die. Ah! <laughs> uh, on May 16th, 2019, ultimately earning $195 million at the box office against a budget of $40 million. So it did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I remember being... Like vaguely nervous for this film when it was announced because one, I really love Elton John, and like two, I was just like I have a feeling anything that like uses music can like bomb really, really hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. anything that looks remotely musical adjacent, like I'm just like, no, please don't set this back, please. Oh my god, you know? <laughs> like we barely get especially somebody like anymore. Elton John. Yeah, yeah, and like this was he he uh, he and his uh, husband are two of the executive producers on this film, and like obviously they were very invested in making something good. I think originally. It was going to be Justin Timberlake too, like way, way back in the early two thousands. Like really? that was supposed to be um, young Elton John. So like, there, there's a lot. And, it, and if, if you've noticed here, it says that uh, Dexter Fletcher ended up directing this. And the other interesting thing about mm. this uh, is that Dexter Fletcher was who was hired to replace Brian Singer for finishing out Bohemian Rhapsody. So oh no shit, okay, yeah, yeah. Even though he's not officially credited as director I, for some sort of union rules, like he finished directing. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody once. Yes, I remember that whole controversy. Yes. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because like, have you seen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. They're two like incredibly different films and one is actually good. Uh, but like, <laughs> like, like it just coming off the tail end of that. And like, I remember them both coming out like at relatively the same time. And I was just like, oh, this is too much. But like Rocket Man looks like the movie I would want to see about like any kind of glam mm-hmm. rock outfit, let alone Elton John or Bohemian Rhapsody and Bohemian Rhapsody just looks kind of like. I am I do not want to see this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rami. Sure. I love you, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think, uh, in retrospect, that movie, just on a side note, I think it was just like Rami Malek was like working so hard in that movie that that sort of saved the whole thing, I think, because like even like a lot of the editing is just like doesn't make sense. Like there's videos about this where they're like, what is this fucking table scene? Why are these? Yeah, cuts the, the like, infamous really table kind of scene. Yeah. But of course, you know, I, that's that's also just like, you know, when your fucking director is like a weird child molester having sex parties with underage boys and they have to like replace him with somebody else and you're scrambling to reach to reach a uh, a uh, release date. I, I don't you know fault any of them for sure. maybe not necessarily delivering the best possible thing because you probably have a fucking gun to your head and people. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Like, uh, yes, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, not that I knew that much about Rocketman, admittedly, going into this, but um, yeah. that's a fun little tidbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of like interesting overlap with like where kind of like film was with Rocketman because like the fact that Michael Gracie like basically left to go and direct uh, Greatest Showman, which is also have you, I, forget, mm-hmm. I always forget. Have you seen Greatest Showman? We did watch that we one. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, so what's where's the chronology and all that? I, I do you know in terms of like this? So and Greatest Showman came out in 2017. I think that was what he, Michael Gracie went right. on to do after like the fallout in 2014 um, between gotcha. Elton John and and Focus okay. Features. He went on to go and direct that. I think he had mostly done music videos mm-hmm. at that point. And then I think the other the other piece of the timeline is, have you ever seen the Kingsman movies? Uh, Elton John is in the second one, and that's how he met Taron Egerton. Oh, he is? And Edgerton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. He has, like, a small part in it. <laughs> and uh, when this project was, like, being shopped around after, like, the, the fallout with focused features, um, the director of The Greatest Showman, or not Greatest Showman, sorry, um, who serves as a producer, I can't remember, the guy who directs and created the, or created the whole film franchise for um, uh, the Kingsman was like, oh, you got to uh, have this. Vaughn, I believe. Yeah, right? Matthew Vaughn. Yes, thank you it? so much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was like, hey, I think Taryn should play you, Elton John. And it just kind of worked out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was I remember thinking that was a really weird choice. And then I do remember when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's kind of funny because I did remember thinking he was sort of like bland in that movie. And in, um, in the Kingsman movies, he just sort of like looked generic. But I remember just being like, oh, he's kind of funny. He had like a good sense of humor about him. I'm, yeah. I'm actually like I said, I'm excited to go back and watch this one. We've been talking about doing this one for a good you long know, kind while. of a bit now yeah, yeah a good long while but we couldn't figure out like where to plug it into the schedule and it was something i did want to go back and rewatch. so I'm, I'm excited for this i'm super in the mood and from what i remember of it like taryn is really really great in this i'm like to the point where i'm like why is this guy not in like more musical shit like but <laughs> you know i think what yeah. I, what i remember about this performance is like he's not doing an impersonation of elton john it's very much like yes. his own th- like he like and in, and in doing his own thing he you, you buy him as Elton John. It's very like interesting to me, like just like the freedom yeah. to just do whatever, not whatever, but like not have to feel like he has to sound and look exactly like Elton John. Right. Right. Which if you do that, you, you have to go either all the way like uh Jamie Foxx and Ray, where right. he's just like, he, he does like the mimic so incredibly well that you're just like, holy shit. 
or you have to just make it your own. If you try and go in between, it ends up just being like a really bad impersonation. Right. You have to be like uh, Jason Schwartzman as like one of the Beatles and uh, walk hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have have to go one way or the other. And like he kind of does like his own thing and it works so well. And um, I'm really excited to revisit the performance just for that. Again, as a fan of Elton John, I remember being like, oh, shit. Good for you, Taryn. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Is there anything else that you want to say before we uh, get into it? Should we watch um, The Rock as well? Because that infamous scene of, uh, of Nicolas Cage just being like, you're him. You're the rocket man. Yeah. And then I think we should watch that as reference. That's all the Elton John things that we can think of. Right. It'll put like a nice, interesting, um, you know, perspective on Rocket Man. I think we should watch the Valentine's episode of The Simpsons with Elton John, where uh, we can just make, you know, jokes about how someone saved my life tonight. Uh, you know, that's. Oh, one last yes. thing. What is your favorite Elton John song? Oh, man. Oh, that's tough. Fuck. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't really have like a favorite. Sure. Well, then I guess um, I'm done. Goodbye. Um, how can uh, you uh, <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I, and also, I'm really terrible about um, favorite anything. Sure. So let me let me because I tend to just go blank as soon as anyone asks me that. Oh, sure. People are like, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, I forgot that I've ever seen a movie. And then oh, like, sure. I can't remember any names of films. I turned into like a peep show character where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah them all. They're all great. I love them all. You know, like just awkwardly sitting I do there. Love, I love some of the deep cuts. Like I love Captain Fantastic. I love Captain Fantastic. I do Fantastic. love Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Mm. Of course, I love all the big ones, too. Um, yeah, it's and of, I'm a sucker for Tiny Dancer, of course. I love that. Um, I love that. I love that. That's like the yeah. most like I am wearing my basic bitch pink Victoria's Secret. Yeah, this is all ba- this whole episode is just going to be basic all the way through. Yeah. Let's embrace the basic. You know what? Things are things that are basic are fun for a reason. And if Elton John is basic, yes. there's a good reason why. It's because someone saved my life tonight. It's the greatest song ever written. And boom, I'm just dropping that there. And Philadelphia Freedom. Yeah. What about you? Someone saved my life tonight. Like that is like a six minute. To me, that is like a six minute opera, that song. Like I could just sit there and listen to that and just feel like a whole fucking epic story was just told in like six minutes and like cry my ass off the whole time. Uh, it's so good. There's so, a video. I'll have to send it to you. Sorry, this is like off track. We'll cut this. But there's a video of him performing it by himself just on his piano. And it is my favorite video on YouTube. <laughs> like from like this is like from like 1976. And it's just him performing it. And I'm like, fuck, like this is art. This is this is why YouTube was invented. So art. I can watch this. Yeah. So I have a question for you. And this is like a really, really deep, specific thing that you may or may not remember from okay. childhood. But I remember there was some Valentine's fucking Disney I think like, cartoon I know exactly yes 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 do you yes, remember this thing? yes yes <laughs> that's I do. my earliest memory of Elton that John that is also my earliest memory of Elton John holy <laughs> shit oh my god I love it yes it was a uh, what was it it was a don't go breaking my heart that they had or uh I think it was don't yeah. go breaking my heart yes yeah. yes yes oh my god you know that is exactly my very first memory of Elton John is that oh holy yes. shit oh my god I wonder um, if that's what like bonded us to it so early on I think um, so. aside from it being great but I, I need to go find that video and I know see if I, I remember finding it on Amazon like 10 years ago like yeah. there was some VHS of it I wonder if it's still there that was like a while because it had like I, I think it had like dress you open my love and it was set to like the Chip and Dale cartoons too like it was the Madonna song dress you yeah, open my love there's like a t- oh. there's so much stuff in there yeah yeah I remember oh. this, this is what we used to watch guys before yeah. like you could you could decide on anything it would just Disney would just be like here's a bunch of shit like with uh, pop songs right exactly and we were happy right you'd get the free weekend of the Disney channel and your parents would tape that and that is what you would watch for like the rest of you know, the took. year that was all you got uh, and sometimes yes it would be like Pat Benatar's You Better Run set to Snow White yes like, <laughs> it's good shit Good shit then. This was like this was like fan videos before fan videos were like a thing. Like yeah, I know it's exactly what it that's was. A, that is yep, exactly yep. what they were. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, we, we will finish blowing Elton John in the second half of this, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> we're running long. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and watch it and go If you're like me, you're absolutely incensed by climate change and often feel hopeless about even being able to do anything about it. I mean, sure, I recycle and try to carpool when I can, but honestly, it doesn't ever feel like it's enough. That's why I'm so excited about today's sponsor, REN. REN is a website where you can calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by funding a diverse mix of carbon reduction projects like tree planting, mineral weathering, and rainforest protection. By answering a few questions about your lifestyle, you can find out your carbon footprint and how to reduce it. As a Californian with a strong interest in not burning to death, I was very excited to learn about the Biochar Project. This project removes flammable dead wood from California's forests to stop wildfires, then turns the wood into biochar, 
a stable form of carbon that persists for thousands of years. It's really fantastic, and as much as I love and am thankful to all of our firefighters here, I'd rather have them not have to battle these absolutely insane hellscapes year-round. Let's give them a break, you guys. Once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates from the projects you support and get to see what your money is spent on with photos and details on every tree planted, every acre reforested, every ton of carbon offset. Honestly, it's just genuinely awesome. Now, normally I don't get this personally invested in people following our sponsor links, but the first 100 people who sign up by going to ren.co slash start slash musical explaining, by the way, that's ren, W-R-E-N, will have 10 extra trees planted in their name. Just think about it. That's enough to set up five different hammocks. Incredible stuff. Again, go to ren.co slash start slash musical explaining and help these hammocks and also, I guess, the environment get up and running. We have returned from saying goodbye to the yellow brick road. Um, you can't catch me in your hen house, okay? What are you referring to? I thought you were talking about the Harlan Williams movies. The Harlan Williams movie, <laughs> fucking Rocket Men <laughs> from the 1990s. Yeah. I assume that's what we were supposed to watch for this. We're watching but... The Rocketeer? Yeah, I watched The Rocketeer. <laughs> the Rocketeer was really cool. Jennifer Connelly was so young. Yeah. It was really interesting to right. see her so uh, so different looking. Um, Timothy Dalton, of course, <laughs> Timothy Dalton, uh, doing, singing doing... songs about how he didn't like rockets. It was a great movie. I loved it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> congratulations to Elton John for having such a supremely interesting biopic made about him where he is a Yeah, it was man. really wild. <laughs> no, we, so yeah, we are back from watching Rocket Man, not the Rocketeer, but you know what? Rocketeer, the musical one day. Um, <laughs> one day. One day. One day. Uh, yes. So the Rocket Man is not, there's no rockets involved, unfortunately. No, no but not it really. Is the no. story. <laughs> there's a lot of emotional rockets. <laughs> Emotional rockets, a man on a rocket ride of a, a rocket ship of a career, you yes. could argue. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, definitely high as a kite yeah. by then, as the lyrics go. It lives up very to that, much so. Supremely yeah. that. I, I guess we were all the rocket man. The rocket man was the friends we made along the way watching it there. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, of course, as we mentioned before, it's the story of Elton John. It starts, it opens, I should say, with him. In a very uh, extravagant uh, devil costume running down a hallway because he's late for, uh, not rehab, I'm sorry, um, like an Alcoholic Anonymous kind of meeting thing. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, group group meeting where, you know, they all sit in a circle on the folded chairs and they're like, oh, I am Elton and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really quite a fun way to start the show, I have to say. Yeah, it's like the framing device by which this movie is made. It's at these kind of like... Um... Um, no exit AA meetings, like <laughs> these like yeah. fantasy AA meetings where he's basically, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a simple but good way to be like, here's my biopic and I'm going to go through my life basically. Um, yes. but yeah, so, yeah. uh, I guess, I guess the summary is just kind of recounting this, uh, um, sort of rehabilitated summary of the first 35 years of Elton John's life basically. Cause it, it, it only goes up to like basically like 1986. Yeah. Once, once he beat the drugs, his uh, story didn't matter, apparently. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so you <weird>. know. <laughs> he didn't do anything else after he stopped doing drugs. Just, his career yeah, was in, the sh- is in shambles. Nothing happened after this. But yeah, so it uh, begins in, uh, in like 1950s England, and he's like got two parents who just do not like give a shit about him at all. But he's got a mm-hmm. grandmother who's like, he plays like... um. Cool. What's the uh, the ice skating waltz thingy on a piano? Like do 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 do. I think it's like it's like the ice waltz or something like that. I forget the name of the composer, but like it's a piece of like pretty standard classical rap. And his grandma's like chopsticks or something. Yeah, yeah. No, all I can think of was like Love Never Dies, which is like how bad my brain is. I was like, okay, that's all you can think of. That's all that is on my mind at any given time. But like his grandma, who's played by one of my favorite characters. There's a lot of like, oh, I love that character actress. Emma Jones is yeah. like, we should get him signed up for music lessons. And then he kicks ass at it to the point where, like, uh, even though his parents don't care, like, his mom is basically like um, an alcoholic. Played by Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah. who's his mother. Yeah. And then another uh, stunt casting, if you will. Right. I, I always like. 
I always appreciate when they take uh, a British role and give it to give it to an American because we never. That seems to be the opposite of these days is the Americans never get to play themselves because the Brits usually are better actors. But yes. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> look, Elton John's we have own one of us. mother. Look at that Fourth of July, yeah, yeah Boston ne- Tea Party. Take that, <laughs> right? We got a Nepo baby playing Elton John's mom here. So how's that yeah. feel? Uh, but yeah, so yeah. Uh, he 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 gets accepted to the Royal Academy of Music. Speaking of another character actress who I love, yeah, and, I was gonna uh, say it took me a second. And I was just like, oh my god, it's fucking Caroline from fucking. Succession. I know. We are recording this like literally right after this, the Succession finale, so I'm going to try very hard not to make this into like me talking yes. about Succession. But yes, Harriet Jones has a two-minute cameo in this. And I'm like, it's her. It's Caroline, the woman who won the show. Oh my God. Yeah. Was was weirdly supportive of him when he comes in, which is like very played against type. Yes, yes. Like every other thing she's in, she's just like the mean, nasty person. Like there's a moment where uh, yeah. it, skipping ahead in this movie where Bryce Dallas Howard says like nobody will ever love you, and I'm like, you know what? Harriet Jones should have mm-hmm. played his mom because oh, yeah, like, she would have been fantastic. She's like you know, nobody could ever love you. You know, nobody could ever love you. Nobody mm. could ever love you, yeah. Reginald. So he, he grows up and starts, you know, playing as a piano player at like a bar and then gets like. Uh, oh, well, importantly, his his parents split up, obviously, and then he starts to see his mom like kind of dating other guys. She starts dating a rock and rollish kind of guy. He influences Elton by being like, check out, here's Elvis. And then he starts to change his look. And yes, uh, you know, it, it really does follow like a really just boilerplate standard biopic like musician of like oh my god then I got introduced to rock and roll and then things got crazy and then I moved out and then I met my writing partner who's Bernie Taupin because he's like I want to write songs and then they introduce actually before Bernie Taupin they introduce he's playing in a band uh, I'm sorry Elton's playing in a band and then they introduce this other character just peripherally who kisses him on the mouth who's a guy and so it's like oh the struggle with his homosexuality becomes a theme that's introduced yeah and then he meets and Bernie then he and meets Bernie and they start writing lyrics and they're besties and they're like, you know, they're opposite ends of the spectrum and, but they're, you know, they get along famously and then eventually they write a song and then your uh, song, the, uh, your song, right. Literally Angie's (laughs) song. song. (laughs) Right. And then of course, in a sign of any good musical film is when Stephen Graham shows up and just fucking Stephen Graham's it up. And yeah. you're like, oh, this guy is perfect for me. Like, basically, anytime he's in a musical, I've noticed in the past couple that we watched with him, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is he's going to do it right. Right. He's like, I think you need to go over to L.A. Uh, and play <laughs> some fucking shows yeah. at the Troubadour. A yeah. bit fucking ungrateful, aren't you? Right. Uh, chomping yeah. on a cigar. Yeah. yeah. He's hilarious. That, that is uh, Dick James, who also is the man responsible for selling the Beatles catalog, like, and break, like, making, being the reason why the Beatles never owned oh, their really? music. Yeah. Yeah. He owned Northern Songs oh, Limited. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out that. there. Like, the, the Beatles picture in, on the wall wasn't just so that you could be like Elton John conveniently being like, oh, yes, my last name of my stage name is after John Lennon. He actually did. Oh, Northern Songs Limited, who published the Beatles music originally. But um, mm. yes, so just like fun yeah. tidbit fact there, because like it's very like nice. it is very by the numbers and it does a lot of like, OK, um, we're going to have to we're going to really need to spell this out to people like why this is happening. Yeah. Convenient like, he, origin right. story kind of shit. Yeah, right. There's a picture of like John Lennon hanging on the wall when he's like, so what's your stage name? He's like Elton John. Elton what? Yeah, John. <laughs> Which it was after John Lennon, but it's just like very like, oh, here you go. Here's a picture, man. Shoot your shot. Just it's take true. It in. You can't argue with it. Yeah. Right. What are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Stephen Graham puts up a uh, his debut show after he does well it, at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. They yeah. fly out. He goes out with Bernie and then, you know, it's like a huge hit. Then they go to an after party and he meets Rob Stark. Yes. He meets uh, who's a manager. Exactly. <laughs> Rob Stark's like, I want you to take the knee. He asked Elton John to take the knee. Yeah, bend the knee. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bend the knee. Yes, yes. And yes, then so. he becomes bend the knee. He so becomes his manager, and then yeah. he, he, it's like his first real relationship with the man. And yeah. At first, it's all you know. Oh, I love you, and butterflies, right. and he's taking care of him, and he's like, "What do you want to be?" And he believes in him and takes him. And uh, we'll get into the set pieces, but um, yeah. and a really fantastic uh, shopping set piece. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. that scene. There, there's a bunch of really good ones once we get once we finish this. Yeah, I'll, we'll like, just yeah, move along so yeah. we can get to it. But um, and of course, you know, again, like every rock cliche, the manager exploits him and sort of fucking separates Elton. And then he feels detached from everybody around him. And he's like, nobody can do what I do. Blah, 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 right. blah, blah. He Elton's realizes like, the money and fame is not going to buy him his parents approval that he desperately wants. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he, he has a, a yeah. couple of all time lows that he hits. His mom is terrible and is like, no one will ever love you because you're gay, because you choose to have this life. His dad has like a separate family, as dads tend to after divorces. 
Uh, and he's like, you know, loves his new kids that he can't even be bothered to appreciate Elton. And, and then like this one really heartbreaking scene, he like goes to visit his dad and his dad's like, can you sign this record? And he's like, oh, OK. And he starts writing like to dad. And he's like, actually, no, it's for this bloke at work, like Marty or whatever the fuck. Yeah, his name Arthur. Is. Like, yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then like meanwhile, his like new sons are like crawling all over him and he's like doting yeah. over them. And Elton just like walks out sadly to his Rolls Royce and is just like, your dad's never going to love you, that sort of thing. And then it kind of like culminates in him like uh, having a suicide attempt. And then he's forced back on stage immediately afterwards, which did happen mm-hmm. in real life. <laughs> and like, I guess it gets. It, yeah, it kind of just like goes into like this long spiral. But Bernie's the only person who's looking out for him. Right, He's yeah. just like, hey man, let's take a break. We'll go upstate. I have a ranch or something he said yeah. or a farm. I can't remember what it was. But yeah. trying his best to sort of like tell Elton that it doesn't, like he doesn't need all those things right, to be right. Elton John. He was just like, I love you for who you are, etc. But of course he pushes him away. Yeah. And then eventually his drug use gets worse and then he, he hates like everyone and then yeah. he's about to go on stage when he's, oh, that's right. He has he a has heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then he ends up is like being like, wait, I need to go to like rehab. And he goes to rehab. Yeah. And, uh, and so it comes back to where the introduction of the film was. It sort of picks up from there. And yeah. then Bernie comes to see him in rehab. And eventually he's like, you got to do the work yourself and blah, blah, blah. And then whatever, everything's fine. Like yeah. Elton gets sober and then he gets married. I mean, I guess they say this in the post in the Marvel post credit sequence. Yeah, uh, right. That, <laughs> right. that Elton kicks drugs and then he gets married to his husband who I yeah. guess they've been fucking married for like 35, 40 They've been married for like a long ass time. Yeah. Like, like uh, David Furness, who I think was in film and is why they have like rocket pictures. The the company, one of the companies that produced this, Mm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been together since the nineties. I think they got married in like 1998, something like that. So they've been together for like a long time. Long time. Yeah. 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 Um, they've got kids and everything and you know, it's like, it's like a very much, it's like, again, Elton John produced this. So this was always going to be like, yay, Elton John, you know, yeah. it doesn't like, it, it kind of just yeah. my, like, I, th- I guess if I had like one big criticism that I had to get out of the way is like, this mm-hmm. is a pretty like one by the numbers biopic. If you break it down by yeah. plot and two, it's just kind of like, it always has to be like, yeah, Elton John. <laughs> Elton <laughs> like, John did yeah. it. Yeah. Because he produced it. Yeah, I would agree that, that, that was my big criticism of it too, is that like, it is very straightforward and very yeah. kind of predictable however however yes uh, however we can can get into the however but if you'd like to start otherwise i can dive right in so there was a couple of moments let's just go for it let's um, just let's just raw dog yeah so let's just raw dog (laughs) it yeah so the thing i thought stays true to it which was as i mentioned the first half i'd seen it in the theater um not knowing it was going to be a musical film and sort of going back to watch it again so i guess like i said second time i didn't as much Find I was sort of surprised by the first time. The second time, I sort of knew what it was, what it was going sure, into. Sure, yeah, same. I really do feel strongly. I can't remember if I did mention this in the first half or not, but I really think that the set pieces are are wonderful. Like they're very well orchestrated. They're very interesting and creative, and they do this thing that um, we talk about this a lot, which which is the medium, right? It's like what makes something a good musical film versus like a musical on stage, and. You know, one of the things that we always talk about is a musical is when you take a moment that's like such a big moment and you get to blow it up and make it huge and turn it into a song when it's on stage. And there's that suspension of of disbelief film kind of tends to go in the opposite direction. Right. Which is a film is about like the tiniest, smallest moment and like the barely any movement on your face or anything and heightening those moments because you can get in there with a camera and really draw those sections out. Right. I think. For me, anyway, as far as like what we've seen so far in terms of musicals and musical films, this had a couple of examples that I thought was really interesting of blending those two together that I hadn't really seen in, say, for example, like a Baz Luhrmann movie, which, of course, we love for how ambitious it is. But I hadn't really seen it done so small. Yeah. And like the two specific examples that I thought of that I thought were really lovely, particularly the first one was uh, when he's a kid. And um, he's in his bed and he's got like the sheet music. In yeah, front of him. yeah, it's and, so good. And they're like, hey, they're like, hey, fucking nerd, stop reading, like go to bed. And he's like, OK. And then they turn off the lights and then he pulls out his flashlight to keep reading the the notes. And it's like going back and forth. And so like you're the, the one shot is of him on him as he's reading it with the flashlight. And then they cut to a reverse shot and it ends up being a bunch of people in an orchestra and uh, it's there now in a dark room. So, uh, so basically when they're telling him to go to sleep, he's a little kid. So when he's flashing this flashlight, it connects the two of them. So like in his head, he's imagining that like he's in this bedroom conducting this orchestra. And like the, the, the way the it's light lit. Flashing before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a really like kind of elegant, creative, 
and like beautiful uh, bit of directing, I think that, yeah. t- and it's pretty early on. So I remember thinking like, yeah, that's really like, it's really lovely. I thought yeah. that's like such a fantastic use of, of big musical moments and also making it small on camera and also having this surreal thing that kind of all ties in together on this emotional beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think what I, it's, it's also a very like simple thing. Like it's basically just like when it cuts back to the the orchestra just like being lit by a child's flashlight for the first part of it mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm. which is like really cool. Like again, very simple, but just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I love that moment. It was very striking. Like that was one of those moments that I was like, yes, I'm, write, I'm writing down a note on this one because I really like this. Uh, yeah, for sure. That for me. And then, um, I like when he's playing, um, I guess, that, that that moment at the troubadour where it's like right before he's about to open yep, his mouth yep. for the very first I had that time. Note too. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And like it, it's him playing, uh, which is very funny because my mom does not hate a lot of music, but she hates Crocodile Rock and they mm-hmm. use Crocodile Rock for that uh. moment. <laughs> like, but it's like that big moment where like all of a sudden everyone just like is slowly lifting on stage with him as his feet go mm-hmm. back into like, you know, and it's just like this very much like that high of like, yes, this is like kind of like the love that I've been looking for you know this is like what everything that i love to do and that i am you know and you know him like raising yeah. up and the audience raising with him is just like such a cool moment i was like oh fuck this is awesome <laughs> yeah like again went in not really realizing that it was meant to be like more of a musical proper than a regular biopic just mm-hmm. being like that's really goddamn cool that and like the honky cat scene is like a yeah uh really 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 <laughs> I love fun the honky cat scene. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 he does this uh the director he, he has this like really interesting way of like condensing these um, these set pieces that are based on whatever the song is, and they're just condensing time and plot, and it sort of like it goes into these weird places that you wouldn't think to go necessarily, and they're always kind of have this emotional core to it and this like surreal element. Another part that I thought was really fun was, I mean, not fun because it was a sad part in the movie, but like where he falls into the pool where he's like, "I'm gonna kill myself," and then he sees himself as a young boy singing rocket man at the bottom of the pool yeah and then like all the people jumping in i mean it's really like i can't i can't express this enough it's it's very like gracefully done it's very yeah i don't think you realize like how hard it is to pull that off in a way that's like so beautifully visually because i the other thing i kept thinking of was um what was it the uh the beatles movie um across the universe i thought about that movie a lot too And I remembered like our, our criticism of it was like we thought that it was like there was a lot of cool, surreal imagery, but it didn't necessarily feel like it related to anything or it wasn't grounded by anything. I feel like this really does that well in a way that 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 we wanted out of that Beatles film. But like this really does it properly. I'm so glad you said that because that was like kind of like one of my biggest yeah. takeaways from this. I was like, this kind of hits like I think what across the universe was trying to do because it is very mm-hmm. stagey and it mm-hmm. is very much like these condensed like ideas of like Elton John's life that have to be blown out really big just because like we got to get through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff here and convey a lot in a lot of short yeah. amount of time uh, but with also like like these visuals that make sense and go to the music and not just at like an aesthetic level but at an emotional level and all I could think about was like I think this is what yeah. across the universe was trying to do and then like missed yeah. out really really hard on great minds Angie yeah, mind yeah. melt I kept thinking about this movie so much like that movie so across the universe so much in comparison to this mm-hmm. and this is just kind of like I'm like oh this is what it wanted to do it's kind of like um, yeah yeah like I was like this is the happy medium of like uh, I guess somewhere in, when you think of like a, like across the universe and like uh, greatest showman and all of these like things that try to do like these big visual like look how moving it is like because we have all these cool visuals yeah. isn't that cool and I'm like this is kind of what I think they wanted to be <laughs> like in large part too, because it's like they have a story here, right? Like across the universe was like this, when you have like a generic, although like, again, that's, it's not like this is some fucking super original screenplay necessarily, but like, at least it's like a person, you know, and like you have something, right? you know, to sort of hang your hat onto and like relate to and understand what the struggle of it was. Whereas across the universe was sort of this generic yeah. you know, AI generated 60s story that, so it made it a lot harder to do that. I think, cause you weren't necessarily there with the characters on the specific journey in the way that this, at least on a minimal level tends to do. Right. I think I brought up also, um, greatest showman because it is technically a biopic about, you know, <laughs> um, uh, that's true which yeah. is nuts and it never like kind of pt barnum pt barnum and, and it, shit, yeah. it's it's a deeply insincere one too like like i'm mm-hmm. like this has like sincerity and really good ideas which like uh like really cool ideas yeah. which I, I think both of those films are kind of lacking in um and i'm like oh so like that's what the, like why i was thinking of those two specifically i was like i think this does that at a much better level for lack of a better word i'm not the film person here but i'm like this has like a sincerity behind it even if it is just a little like okay i know where this is going <laughs> like from the very beginning uh it's yeah, sincere I, I think uh i think there's it's twofold right it's one of them is the direction yeah i think that dexter fletcher really does 
have a grasp on what moments to kind of blow up and how to blow it up and, and sort of what its core is and how to ground it. Yeah. And then I think it's interesting that you, I didn't know obviously before this, that he also directed or he was the whatever ghost or secondary director of Bohemian Rhapsody because there's a similar thing that happens in this film, which I can't, there's no way of knowing if it's him who did it or if it's Brian Singer just because of how that movie was cut up. But like the thing I said in the first half about what made Bohemian Rhapsody very watchable to me was just uh, Rami Malek. I'm sorry. Yeah. Rami Malek. Right. I said it wrong last time. He's giving himself like completely and he's he's just he's throwing his the full weight of himself into the role and like love it or hate it as cliche as it is. You're like, okay, this guy really like fucking puts it all on the line. And like, I feel like Taron Egerton is like he's very good in this. Like and I I kept thinking about it when I was watching him. I'm like, I can't figure out what it is. It's like he does play really well in close up and he's got like this kind of like cartoony, almost like animated set of expressions between his eyes and his eyebrows. But like he does have this like, and again, it's like, it's not the best role ever written, but I feel like he's just bringing everything he possibly can to it. Right. Right. So it sort of, it, it sort of goes over the hump of, of it feeling cliche, which it, again, it still does, but like it sort of goes into the next realm because the direction and the performances are, I think very good. And like they, they sort of just fucking go ham as much as they can with it. And that kind of saves it. Yeah, like there's like there's like um like I I like you said like there's like this cartooniness is like not the word for it but like yeah a lot of this is about like the idea of Elton John like you know he's living mm-hmm, so much mm-hmm. in this idea of Elton John because it's hard to be Reginald Dwight because Reginald Dwight is like you know this like sad lonely like child who doesn't have his parents love and yeah. so Elton John is where he hides himself in but like it lends itself well to like the kind of melodrama that like if you're gonna take a mm-hmm. a, a rock and roll biopic and also make it a big splashy kind of like musical like it, it it is like the perfect i guess persona to kind of hang your hat on and oh, there's yeah. like Alan john's per- plus all the costumes and shit right. too like uh, it's naturally there's yeah. that, that that scene where rocket man happens like the, the song rocket man is when he you know tries to kill himself and you know by you know doing a ton of uh prescription meds and drinking and then throwing himself in a pool and like he's rushed into like a hospital and then it transitions to him being like going and getting like dressed into like his LA Dodgers, like literary famous costume mm-hmm. and then being pushed on stage and having to go out and do yeah. like his Elton John thing and like his big cartoony performance. And it like, I, I'm trying to put words to why I like it so much, but it's like, yes, like Elton John is the perfect kind of like person. You can do that. And then like Taryn's doing like this great kind of almost larger than life. But I think also what, what you, what you hit on is that scene too. And it's something I also really enjoyed. I remember this from the first time I saw it is that like, he comes out of the hospital. He's getting pushed on stage. He's like dead eyed. Yeah. His face is just like droopy. Like he's just sad and he's depressed. And then you see him like take two steps onto the stage. And then you see it's like a perfect like visualization of him being like, once I go on stage, I like sort of disassociate and become this other person. And so like it's it's a very good range of expression of like here's it's like sad face, happy face, you know, yeah. fucking drama, whatever yeah. those masks. Yeah. And he does it in like in like one shot he does it and then he and then you see his, you know, beaming kind of eyes when he's on stage and it's like you believe both of them and they happen so close together that like it really sells the idea of like this poor man having to go on stage because he like doesn't know who he is because that's how he wants approval and like Edgerton does like a very good job of going between the two of them in a very believable way. Yeah. Yeah. Like another really great example of that is that scene where he like gets out of like his car with like John Reed's manager and they're fighting because his, his manager is pushing him to come out to his parents and he goes and he calls his mm-hmm. mom on a payphone like right before he has to open oh, for yeah. like Liberace and like, you know, tells her that, uh you know, that that he's gay and she's like, well, I always knew and but you know, this is why you're never going to mm-hmm. know love and he's like doing like this like range of facial expressions he's going like he's like because he's like he's amped and angry and mad and also you know having to say this thing that he does not want to say and like he's his face goes from like five different like really extremes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. this tiny tight space and then he goes right into like it's all it's like a very similar scene because he gets he's dressed in this like ridiculous like chicken costume and bernie Topin's like man we got to calm down you know he gives bernie the you know the cliche like you don't know who i am i'm the one blah 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 and then he gets on and does you know pinball wizard but like his dead like his the energy is so high, but like dead inside eyes, you know, like that sort of thing. Like there's a lot of that going on and it's really hard yeah. to pull off. And I think he does a very good job actually pulling it off on top of, I think something I brought up in the first part where like, he's not doing like an Elton John impersonation, but in doing, in, right. and in doing that, he's like, you're like, Oh, that motherfucker looks like Elton John. And he sounds like Elton John. And like, it's <laughs> great. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I think he's great in this. I love this. Good for him. I think that's like the gauge of really good actors too, is like, what can they do with like, 
you know, just with your face, like just with, by not saying anything, right? What can you do in silence? What can you do listening to a phone call or when you make a phone call, like hearing it on the other side? Like, it's such a good example. Like you said, the, yeah. the mom where he calls his mom to like, you're, he's just doing all kinds of crazy shit and you're just yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. His face is what on What do you even coaster. tell him? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's quite, it's nifty. He's, he's, he's a talented guy, that guy. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, his singing voice is fantastic. Like again, fantastic. I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't know. Like after watching this, I was like, I mean, I'm always listening to Elton John. That's 50% of the time. If I'm listening to music, I'm probably listening to Elton John. But like this weekend, I've just been like, oh man, yeah, these songs are fucking bangers. And like, you're not like mad hearing him do his versions of them, you know, where you're like, God, I wish I was like going to go and listen. Like, like a lot of biopic movies or musical movies that are, you know, covers. I'm like, I wish I was just, you know, listening to the real heroes. By David Bowie. Version, yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm like, no, nah, he's good. He sounds like he does sound like Elton John. He has like that low husky vibrato kind of thing that like Elton yeah. John. What what a what a I guess what's the word I'm looking for serendipitous coincidence that they happen to have met through work and I think he also apparently I have not seen these movies because I have a child now and I refuse to indulge but the sing movies that I think Illumination makes it's like the ones where it's just like oh right I was looking that up because yeah. when I was listening to the soundtrack on on uh, Spotify it said that he was in it. I didn't realize he was in them. he I did I'm still yet. standing I think in that too so <laughs> okay. like yeah he and Elton are buddies they're just yeah. like you're my official representative in <laughs> right. all movies like Elton John has to either sing or I'm sorry Taron Edgerton has to sing my songs right you you get to be me for the rest of your life Taron Edgerton um, but um, I'm, I'm like I was very like yes good, good, good casting and he's like really the only one who does most of the singing in this like there's a couple of other moments where it's like um Jeannie Bell who's Bernie Topan sings a uh, goodbye yellow brick road to him at the very end it's like this weird reversal yeah. where you're so used to Elton starting the songs you know and being yeah. like the impetus for where the songs start but then like goodbye yellow brick road happens when like um Elton's like trying to like basically dump him or like I don't know they're having like one of those cliche like you gotta figure it out Elton and get it together and then yeah Bernie Tobin just on your own. I can't help you anymore from here. <laughs> right. And so Bernie Tobin goes go goes into like goodbye yellow brick road and you're like, oh, okay. And then I think there's a couple moments where Rob Stark sings, but for the most part, it's like pretty much just like Elton is the vehicle through which all of these songs are happening. And that's also really hard when you were like basically the one man show. Like, yeah. Doing that. So it's so a good on him. Number one on the call sheet all the way through. All the way through. Everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good on him. I'm, I, I very much, very much like him in this movie. And I wanted to really call that out because I feel like that was a very hard thing to do you know and um he, he, he does it quite well it completely rests on his shoulders yeah. like whoever was going to be the lead was like that's it you're the person who if you don't do a good job it's dog shit and no one will fucking watch it and yeah yeah to their credit it's like he really lifts the material that is very straightforward and plain into something that's pretty interesting i think the other thing that i think is really interesting to me because like one elton john is still alive and two like um very much involved in the production of this film. So it's going to have his authority yeah. on it is uh, in, it, it makes the good decision to choose an ending for this, you know, um, <laughs> like as much as we are dug out of being like, wow, nothing else ever happened in Elton John's career after this. Like they just like, okay, you know what? We found our natural ending here. He's going to go to rehab and, and end it. And as opposed to just kind of like aimlessly petering off. Like, I, I think there's, there's like, if you know some things about Elton John's life, there's definitely some fudging going around in there. Um, in particular, like, it's very funny to me that they use I'm Still Standing as, like, the song to close the movie on because uh, he did not get, like, clean, I think, until, like, the 90s. But, like, I'm Still Standing came out in the 80s and is a notorious, like, Elton John on a Bender story, at least the music video. Oh, is. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, they, they, they kind of, like, reframe it here as, like, I'm sober now and I'm better than you and I'm doing great and things are wonderful. But, like, I I, I think like that was like at least five or six seven years before he even started like the notion of rehab yeah i wanted to actually ask you about that because essentially what they do throughout the entire film we should talk about the actual music is they take his entire catalog and then they reframe it based on whatever is happening emotionally like in the film you know starting with his childhood obviously and it's sort of i think if i'm not wrong even when they're in when he's in the fucking random band before he meets bernie like they're i think they're playing an elton john song there right he backed up like the Isley Brothers, I think, and and I think at one point not the he did Patty Labelle like early in his career, and those are kind of meant to be like uh, a stand-in for that. But uh, it's breaking down the walls of heartache. That's what they do, which is yeah. more of a B-side. But yeah, 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 yeah. So they rearrange it to sound like a soul number. The idea though is that essentially, like every, you know, he didn't write any of those songs when he was like, you know, sure, five sure, years yeah. old in his bed. So like, right. I think it is at least consistent with how uh, every other song is played. 
Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. As far, yeah, throughout the film. So as far as like structurally, it doesn't, or sorry, not structurally, but I should say like in terms of its the, how music is used, it's sort of, you can forgive it. Um, but it is, I guess, a little bit disheartening if you're like, it does seem like a much better, I just got out of rehab song rather than I'm a right. fucking bender. It is kinda, I, I don't no, think I knew yeah. that. That's really funny though, to be like, it's actually the antithesis of what this is. It's just like, I'm drunk as fuck and still standing. Yeah, no, like that's a, the, the music video for I'm Still Standing was like, it was shot at Ken and like basically what happened was like, they were supposed to do like, get this done in like a day. And then like the camera got dropped in like the water and so they were like, oh, oh no. fuck, we have to reshoot this whole thing again. And meanwhile, like Duran Duran are at the same hotel as Elton John. So they're all hanging out and like they encourage Elton to get really drunk. So like it's like a just like, yeah, it's like a notorious like, oh, they were a big long bender while this video was shot. And if you watch that video, I do love that's one of my favorite Elton John songs, number one. But like if you okay. watch that yeah, video, yeah. It, it looks like something we made on the cheapies while having fun at Ken, you know, like it has that total energy to it. But it is it is like, yeah, it, it, it was very funny when I first time I saw this movie where they were like, here he is reclaiming himself and with his new sober life and blah, 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 blah. And it does have that. Like, it does sound like that kind of a song, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it does work really well in that moment. But it is just like a moment of like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> let's be real kids. No, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like, well, it's like how they have. The, I think the first song they go into in the movie is the bitch is back with a, like, you know, an eight year old, nine year old child singing it. Yeah. Which is like. <laughs> One, which fabulous. is really funny. I, I was like, yes. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite Elton John songs. Like, they really do get a lot of the bangers in there. Where you're just like, oh fuck, yeah, that song's great, and that song's great too. Like, um, the Honky yeah. Cat scene is like one of my. We we touched upon it very briefly, but it's like that's the song that follows when he meets John Reed and like falls like one in love at the same time. You know that his career is taking off, and it kind of does like this like very stagey. Uh, set PC number where like he's going on shopping sprees and he has like these little Wes Anderson miniatures of a house he's buying and like they're doing all these elaborate costume changes and it's all set to Honky Cat yeah. like and like you know just like the transitions against- are really cool too it's like you know the camera goes up they go into one limo and then they come on the other side of the limo and then they're like in a totally different set it's really it's really well done it's a really fun sequence but you can like see where they're like trying to like uh, stretch the lyrics into like and this is like kind of the thing with like every um uh, I guess musical biopic where it's based on like a singer songwriter's career that you see. No, this is not just a film thing, but like a Broadway thing too, where you're like, okay, we got to yeah. stretch these songs into something that sort of resembles a motivating moment where, um, <laughs> like we can have these meaningful yeah. character beats and it's not just, you know, cramming in a song because people like it. Uh, but like, and it kind of has to be both of those things with this. Cause it's like everyone likes yeah. Elton John, but like, I think it it's a credit, I guess, to Bernie Topin as a lyricist for writing like these insanely good, like character driven monologues that most of Elton John's big songs kind of are like you feel like you're sitting with the person, you know. Um, but like, again, yeah. it's, it's all different kind of people. So it never quite I guess it's my other big criticism of this. It never quite gels as like a musical narrative, you know. Uh, but no, it's true. It, it sure tries its hardest. It does. And I think that's ultimately the thing that I walked away from with from it with is that like they really did try. Yeah, they tried really. <laughs> they really tried hard. their damnedest. Yeah, with, with material that was like really not as great as the end up as the final film ended up being. This is one of the rare cases where like a script was okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They made a film that was better than the script that they were given. Um, so I really I I admire it a lot for that reason specifically. Yeah. It, the, the whole is greater, I guess, than the sum of his parts. Is that how, like, the saying goes? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not yeah, the reverse, yeah. right? <laughs> but yeah, one of those things that on paper and other hands might have not been uh, as as entertaining as it was. Um, but man, did it make me go like, I want to go and listen to Elton John some more. But um, yeah, yeah. Like, it also kind of does this other thing that I think helps it a lot where it does have, like, a lot of just straight um, covers in the background covering it. Like, it's not purely musical. Not all of the music is put in it to be, like, these, mm-hmm. like... Um, storytelling moments like you'll have you know and, and it's always Taryn Egerton, Edgerton doing them and you know it's so it's consistent but like you'll have like things like take me to the pilot playing actually in the background while he's having sex with John Reed and it's like oh yeah this is great like it, it, I don't know like it's a thing that lends itself really well to the consistency of I think Taryn Edgerton's performance in buying him as Elton John where like they'll just kind of have mm-hmm. as you would in a standard bi- like musical biopic where it's just the music playing yeah. in the background or being performed in front of a concert like it mixes both of those things and I think that helps, you know, it, it keeps it from being like when you go like, wow, they're really trying to make um, uh, Benny and the Jets a musical number here, like like a diegetic, yeah. you know, <laughs> or non-diegetic musical number here. Like that helps it, too. It's just setting that kind of tone, yeah. which is like it, it mixes both kind of things. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have any other um, other thoughts about it? Um, I think I kind of stand by my one thing, though, that it is a very good airplane movie. <laughs> like, I was like, this is the perfect movie to watch. Yeah, on an airplane. yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I think it like I said, I think it's 
it's a good watch. I think it's it's really capable and or sorry, it, it's put it's it's in very capable hands and they do a lot with it, which, you know, out of not much. So I, yeah. I admire it. There's a lot of stuff that I could go in and just be like, Oh, this was dumb, but I didn't like, yeah, this, same. like this. But it's <laughs> It's very, ob- you know, there's sort of obvious criticisms, but I think overall it's, it surprised me and I think it's, it's pretty good. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. It's really uh, and sincere. I think that there's if, yeah. And also I was going to say, if you're ever trying to fucking direct a musical sequence, like it's a really good reference point of just how to weave in character beats w- into like big set pieces at the same time and making sure that stuff's grounded emotionally instead of just like huge and elaborate and like here's 150,000 people dancing to a number which obviously is cool and has its own sort of visual beauty to it but I feel like this this does a particularly good job as far as all the stuff that we've seen that manages to stay humble and grounded um, as far as what its motivations are and I think that's that's really hard to do and it's really admirable I think that was my big takeaway from it I really like that yeah and I know that this number sounds crazy, but like it was made with only like I think like a forty million dollar budget, which is not that much for what this. Oh, and that's nothing for a film yeah. that's this. Yeah, I, in fact, actually, oh yeah, that was the other thing I was gonna say. I'm like, give him more money. Like, I'm curious to see like what this guy could do if you gave him like a fucking Baz Luhrmann size budget. Yeah, because like again, like the obvious criticisms. There's a couple of, like there's a couple of moments where like this was made on a lower budget, and you can not and not in a bad way. Like they use that budget like really really well. Like they do some really cool yeah. shit with it. But there are, there are a couple of moments where you kind of like see the seams of that, namely in some of the makeup. Yeah, like for forty million dollars to like make like what I think is a very competently directed film musical that like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cares about what it's trying to tell, and that's what really sets it out for me as compared to some of these other movies that I brought up. Like like yeah, I'm like this is worth watch. I, I really enjoyed it. I wish there were more musical movies like in it. The words- honestly. Yeah, in the words of the Emperor, we will be watching your career with great interest, Fletcher. <laughs> right, Dexter Fletcher, <laughs> we got our eye on you. It's also very funny to me, like that this musical does not touch on the fact uh, that a lot of like Elton John's like post nineties or post like eighties uh, career has been working in musical theater. Like you know, he had Lion King and Aida and Billy Elliot. I think Billy Elliot, the the man who wrote the screenplay for this, wrote Bill, the screenplay for Billy Elliot. And when Billy Elliot was turned into a musical, fucking, wrote the what's lyrics. his name was Billy Elliot. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy, exactly, uh, Jamie Campbell. Tobin, yeah, he <laughs> Jimmy, literally yeah, was Billy Jimmy, Elliot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 Jimmy Bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's a lot, there's a big Billy Elliot connection here going. So uh, on the whole, I'm like, you know what, as, as much as this is kind of, you know, like an airplane movie, it's a good airplane movie and a really good, well-directed like musical. And again, I do wish more musical films kind of look towards this for as small as the budget is, relatively speaking. And yeah, yeah like I'm like, you can do a lot with a little. And I think this is a very good example of that. And a little also being kind of the screenplay here. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. But yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think that's that's more or less you said it. I think uh, if you guys have seen the movie, let us know your thoughts. We are on Twitter at Musical Splainin with no G, of course, and at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Although, as I always say, give us your thoughts on Twitter because Instagram has a terrible, awful interface for messaging and it's really impossible to navigate. Yeah. So, yes. Chime in. Tell us what you thought of Rocket Man. We enjoyed it despite its flaws. Yes. Uh, of course, I am at Covetarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. And, uh, and let's see when when we drop this next week, I will be officially old. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're going to have rocket manned your way into your forties, right? <laughs> Oldness. Yes, I'll be I'll be forty. I guess that's why they call it the blues. Sorry, I'm just trying to cram that's in as many last minutes. Yeah, I guess that's why they call it the olds. Uh, no, but yeah, uh, send big birthday energy vibes to Kavitaharian. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, we love our boy Kay. Uh, <laughs> I am um, AARP as if always. You're listening. <laughs> right. You can get on that. That'd be real sweet, AARP. If you want some sweet sponsorships uh, or to give some sweet sponsorships to us, AARP, we're right here. Uh, my hair is getting significantly grayer this year. I would appreciate it. But as always, I am uh, Angelina or Y Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram. And yeah, uh, I love Elton John. So if you got Elton John feelings too, I'm, I'm down to yeah. that. Elton as well. John, if you're listening, tell us. El- we, love, we love you. You're the right. voice of a generation. Yeah. Um, Elton John, maybe you can subscribe to our Patreon, which exists. We, you know that you could probably donate to that. If you're not Elton John and you want to subscribe to our Patreon, go ahead and do that. Elton John, uh, we, uh, you can write a review for us. That Those are also great too, Elton John. We would perfect love it if podcast you review. Yeah. yeah. Elton John, you could follow our sponsor links as well. That would also <laughs> right. be very helpful to the podcast. Yeah. So Elton John, if you're listening, um, we appreciate you as a listener. <laughs> yeah. We're still standing. Oh, we're and lastly, standing. uh, I, one personal announcement I forgot to make is that uh, I will be at San Diego Comic-Con, which is Ooh. about a month out. So if you're going to be coming to San Diego, keep an eye out for me. I'll have more announcements as we get closer to the date. But 
Um, I'm going to have books and prints and stickers and stuff. I'll have a new book that I'm ready to promote. I'm very excited to share with the world. So please uh, let me know if you're going to be in San Diego at Comic-Con. I'd love to see you. Wow. Why go to a Marvel Are you going to come? Uh, maybe yeah. I should. <laughs> you should, I should come. Okay. Well, let's just, you know, we'll put a pin in that thought. And, uh, you know, the real reason, you have Marvel movies and your Warner Brothers movies and you whatever million things. But really, this is what San Diego Comic Con is all about. Two people who talk about musicals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Support the Patreon. Maybe we can get Angie a ticket to fly out for San Diego. I am a real life cartoon character. I think it would quite fit in there. But yeah, uh, but thanks again as always for listening. Uh, not just Elton John, but to all of you. And uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially to Elton John. But especially to Elton John. Because uh, I think it's going to be a long, long time until Touchdown brings me around again to find that uh, it sucks living in a rent crisis. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> well put. That's <laughs> a good one.